Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It's been, well, it's been an interesting week, that's for sure. An eventful week. We have got a brand new head coach at Arsenal Football Club. Arsene Wenger is gone. Unai Emery is the man who is going to take us forward in that position as head coach. I'm bringing this podcast forward from Friday to Thursday simply because of what a huge development this is. Uh, what a big thing it is for the football club. The Arsene Wenger era is over. A new era is beginning. It is a different era, a head coach rather than a manager. We have put in place structures to support this new head coach. And, you know, if you've listened to this show or read the blog for any period of time, you'll know this is something that I've wanted us to do. Uh, it's felt necessary for us to do in order to move beyond Arsene Wenger because of the difference in the way that he manages and Unai Emery is going to manage. Uh, we can still talk about management as a thing, even if he is going to be the head coach. You know, we've we've put in place a director of football. He is a director of football, head of football relations, whatever you want to call him. He's not that. He is the director of football. That's Raul Sanyehi. We've got a head of recruitment, Sven Mislintat, who will identify and target the players for uh, the director of football and Ivan Gazidis' chief executive to do the deals over. We've got a new contracts guy. We've got a new uh, head of high performance, Darren Burgess. Um, where we are now compared to where we were 12 months ago is chalk and cheese almost. You know, I know a lot of people said Arsene Wenger could have gone and should have gone after winning the FA Cup. But as a football club, we were not prepared for it in the same way that we are now. So I've got to give credit to the board and to the people making those decisions for getting us ready and for giving us good people, hopefully good people. We're assuming they're good people, but I think the experience that they have, Sanyehi at Barcelona and also at Nike, Mislinta at Borussia Dortmund, Darren Burgess is bringing new and innovative ideas into the football club in terms of fitness and high performance, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is maybe where we needed to be two years ago or three years ago, but better late than never. And we've brought in an experienced head coach. The idea of Mikel Arteta was one which people got behind because it felt romantic, but also because we just wanted it to work so badly. Whoever was going to be in, in charge of the team, I think we all wanted it to work. But when it comes right down to it and you ask anybody objectively, what's the best idea? Is it to appoint someone who's, uh, who's managed lots of games across a number of teams, who's had ups and downs in his career, but is still 46 years of age and in the, in the grand scheme of football coaches or managers, however you want to call them, that's still really young really young. It's about, I think, the same age, more or less, that Arsene Wenger was when he took over at Arsenal. 
right? Mikel Arteta, however, has managed no games of football and is a young, promising, talented, intelligent, smart coach. But the the fact he never managed a game of football in his life meant that it was going to be for this Arsenal board and the Arsenal executives a huge leap of faith and a huge risk, a huge gamble uh, over which there would have been no safety net. Under which, indeed, there would have been no safety net, I should say. So if it went wrong, it would have been, uh, it would have backfired on them completely. Uh, So for them, And for the football club itself, the sensible move was to appoint a man who's got some experience, who's won some trophies. It didn't necessarily go as well at PSG as he might have liked, but, you know, Arsene Wenger made a sidestep from Monaco to to Grand Passate, Nagoya Grand Passate in Japan, and then came on to Arsenal and was hugely successful. You know, Arsenal are in a position right now where we need somebody to rebuild a little bit, to develop us as a team and as a club again. We've dropped out of the top four. We need to get back in there. Then we need to think about uh, challenging for titles again. That's got to be the ambition. But we need somebody to, to take us there, to take stock, to redevelop players, to redevelop the team, to rebuild slightly and get us back on track. And I think Unai Emery fits that bill very well. I think I think he could make Arsenal better. And I think Arsenal could also make him better. So from that point of view, it's uh, it's an appointment that makes a lot of sense. I'm excited. I'm energized. I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm fully behind the idea that he could come in and bring things to this team and this group of players that it hasn't had. Some different ideas, different philosophies, different ways of thinking, different ways of preparing for games, different ways of managing games as they're happening, all of that, and all the things that he might bring that we don't even realize yet. You know, it's impossible to sit here and not just feel better about where we're going and how we're going to get there. We can't say if it's going to work out. We really can't, but there's nothing familiar about it. There's nothing that we know deep down in our hearts uh, is going to happen simply because it's happened before. There's no sense of inevitability about everything. You know, it's fresh, it's exciting, it's new, and people have been looking for change for some time now. And this is change. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And it's a different journey. It's a different train Let's get on board and let's see where the fuck it takes us. It could be brilliant. It might not be brilliant. It could be something in between. We just don't know. And that's a big part of why it's going to be exciting. Uh, It's a journey we don't know the destination of. We don't know how we're going to get there. So buckle up, strap yourself in and all the rest and uh, and let's see where we go and where we end up. So we're going to do this podcast in two parts. In a moment, I'm going to talk to David Ornstein from the BBC. Uh, who was at the press conference yesterday and who obviously has got some inside track into what's been going on over the last few weeks at Arsenal. We'll talk to him about that. And afterwards, I'm going to talk to Colin Miller, who is a journalist. He's the editor of Football España. He's based in Sevilla, which is where Unai Emery had uh, fantastic success, three consecutive Europa League titles uh, with, uh, with Sevilla. We're going to talk to him about what kind of a manager he is, what kind of a philosophy he has about football, what he can bring to Arsenal, and lots more besides. But first up from the BBC, it's uh, David Ornstein. David, hi, how are you? Yeah, really well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me on again. My pleasure. Um, just, to, uh, just to address an issue that cropped up on Monday night, we were doing our live Arscast Extra in 
Union Chapel. We we spent some time talking about Mikel Arteta, uh, quite a lot of time talking about Mikel Arteta on the assumption <laughs> that he was going to be the new Arsenal manager or head coach, as it turns out the job description is. Uh, and then you dropped a tweet about two minutes before our half, our halftime break with the bombshell about Unai Emery. So uh, thank you very much indeed for that. I know it wasn't yeah, necessary. Sorry for it wasn't, the it whole, wasn't uh, evening. Yeah, it wasn't your doing. I know you didn't. You weren't the one that, that, that made the final decision. So I mean, the first thing that I would say is that Unai Emery is the new Arsenal head coach. It's an interesting appointment. I think there are many uh, pluses to it when you look at the situation, uh, and we, we might talk about those uh, in a, in a bit of detail in a couple of minutes. But. I still think, without trying to play down anything or anything else, that the process and how they came to the decision is still quite interesting. And we spoke about Mikel Arteta on Monday night at Union Chapel because, as far as we were aware, um, that's what was going to happen. And I think, as far as Mikel Arteta was aware, that's what was going to happen. And something shifted over the, the weekend, perhaps, to push Arsenal and the decision in a different direction. Well, finally, today we heard the timeline of events from Ivan Gazidis. And we can only assume they were accurate and he was volunteering the dates in good faith. And that would suggest that Unai Emre had been a leading candidate for quite some time. And certainly since his interview on the 10th of May, um, I was surprised, really surprised that he wasn't a leading candidate earlier. Um, and given that he was available coming out of Paris Saint-Germain, he had won five trophies there in two seasons. You can say, well, he didn't go past the last 16 in the Champions League, but nor has Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. Um, and previously to that, of course, we all know he won three consecutive Europa League titles at Sevilla, the competition that Arsenal are playing in. He seemed to tick a, a lot of boxes. He would happily work within a structure, but he just wasn't being linked. And and um, it was around that time. It was actually the 10th of May, bizarrely. And I, I, I can't quite believe it because I genuinely didn't know anything about his candidacy that I looked it up and he was 66 to 1 on that very day. Wow. Um, and then a couple of days later, in on the back page of the Daily Express, Neil Fisler on the final day of the season, what was that, the 13th of May, mm. Arsenal away to Huddersfield, he, he, their back page splash was uh, Gunners go for Emery. So perhaps something was beginning to emerge there. However, it still seemed Arteta was as the firm candidate and that only gathered momentum. And my understanding was that Arteta was excited to be involved in the process, um, going into last weekend that they were confident that um, they really just needed the seal of approval to progress with formal talks. And this is where my information differs from some others in that I understand that no agreement was reached of any sort with Arteta, but things were moving in the right direction. And we all know that they could have been um, put to bed very quickly with Arteta mm. um, which in itself raises a question if they were so keen on him why wasn't it put to bed quickly um, there were reports of backroom staff being talked about I'm not entirely sure on that but certainly no agreement was reached and um, and then yeah come the weekend I think Arteta was hoping to hear good news and whether phone calls were missed or or, or um, or Arsenal went cold, as it's being reported. I'm not quite sure, but something certainly changed. And um, by Monday, it wasn't looking good for, for Arteta at all. 
Um, and by this point, of course, we now know that Emery had been recommended to the Arsenal board of mm. directors. I think the interest in Mikel Arteta was genuine. Uh, I think he was a he was an he was a leading candidate. He was a very serious contender. I don't think he was being used as a smokescreen. And in fact, I, I feel Arsenal today were perhaps wondering if they regretted not giving a bit more sort of guidance on on the fact that Arteta wasn't as as much of a leading candidate as the public um, consensus was building around him, uh, uh, as much as the public public were being led to believe um, because what Arteta was waiting for was the green light to progress with the final, the, the meaningful negotiations and they didn't happen and we now know it was because Emery was the uh, number one choice. Mm. You know, it is um, when you look at the timeline that, that Ivan Gazidis laid out and I think the club obviously are, are right to do this when it comes to appointing a new manager to say, we've gone through this process, we have been professional, we've been rigorous, we've done our due diligence with, with all the various candidates, et cetera, et cetera. And this is the best man that we've uh, found from all of those candidates. You know, it's the right way to present a big, big decision like this. But do you feel perhaps that the presentation of that is maybe a little bit polished in comparison to what might have gone down uh, over the course of the uh, the period of time since Arsene Wenger's departure was announced? That's an absolutely belting question, and <laughs> it's one I can't answer with, with total accuracy. Yeah. Um, I would suspect that um, it was perhaps, this is just a guess, slightly more polished than the reality because uh, if the uh, version that was presented to us by Gazidis was completely factually correct, then blimey, fair play to Arsenal. And it's one of the slickest recruitment processes any organisation has ever seen. And given some of Arsenal's um, dealings in recent years, um, that would perhaps be a little bit of a surprise. But I've got no reason to believe it was shambolic or, um, as some have suggested, you know, chaos. Um, There was a lot of speculation. And and Ivan Gazidis said today, um, and it was quite an interesting point because he mentioned it a couple of times. We we did a separate interview with him afterwards, and and he said it again. Uh, He said, as I've always said, those who know won't speak and those who speak won't know. Mm. And they seem very proud of of how secretive this process was kept, how few leaks came out. And I'm, I'm sure they're not proud if, if there was misinformation out there, especially around Arteta. I'm, I'm sure that they're not proud that it was so secretive that misinformation got out there. But I think... There is. I think the only fair thing to say is there's there's a discrepancy between how smooth the process was, which I think I think it was probably fairly impressive, and what was being borne out in public, which was this notion it was a shambles. I presume it was somewhere in the middle, and to have appointed Emery so far in advance of of their sort of uh, informally stated deadline of of the World Cup, yeah. the start of the World Cup and to have got who I believe is the best available candidate in the managerial market at the moment, um, 
then they don't appear to have done too badly. Yeah, I mean, where did you stand on the the whole Mikel Arteta thing and the idea that he could come from being second in command at Manchester City, uh, two years working with Pep Guardiola, I'm sure, is a fantastic education, but when you step back and you look at things objectively, never having managed a game of football and being asked to come in to take over at Arsenal, where you have this long-term manager who's had such uh, such an impact on the club, it always felt like a huge ask. It was a romantic idea, and I think while there were many people who were very sceptical of it, there were also people who went, well, if they've actually decided this and they've seen things in Arteta and they've, they've interviewed him and they know what his football philosophy is and, and how he might work with players and all those things, you know, people were starting to get behind that simply because it was something new and it was something different and it, it perhaps spoke to... It was either, as I've said before, this sort of like a, a fine line between bravery and stupidity, and we weren't quite sure which one it was, but it was still really quite interesting. Um, wh- where did you stand on that? Yeah, I've got really mixed views on the Arteta situation. I've heard really good things, like most people, uh, about him from Man City. It must be remembered that he—I he, don't think he was actually—he he is actually even the number two. I think is he. You may correct me, he's possibly the number three at Manchester City. With just two seasons of coaching under his belt, um, it would have been a monumental gamble for Arsenal. And many people I've spoken to since the Emery news emerged um, have increasingly started to realise, in their view that the Arteta appointment, potential appointment, um, would have seemed more and more um, of a gamble um, is a polite way of putting it, yeah. and others have said to me, ludicrous, um, as time <laughs> has gone on. Um, I think the warning signs that he was going to be a key contender were, were clear on the 20th of April when Ivan Gazidis addressed the media after news of Arsene Wenger's um, impending departure. And he talked about being brave and bold, and um, he laid out his criteria for somebody who represents Arsenal well and knows the values, is committed to working with young players, plays attractive football, um, and that Arsenal went for Arsene Wenger when very few people in this country knew him. And, you know, you, you knew that the young Arsenal-related candidates would, would come to yeah. the fore as part of the selection process and consideration. And within that, Arteta and um, Ivan Gazidis get on extremely well. Um, there, there was a story, I think, towards the end of his time at Arsenal about how he used some of the money collected for fines incurred by Arsenal players to buy Gazidis a watch. I could be getting that wrong, but somebody mentioned that to me oh, a few days ago. So th- <laughs> they were clearly close. And... Um, and uh, he was a candidate who was seriously considered. Um, but I don't want to say that they bottled it. I think that's a harsh way of putting it when we are not privy to the negotiations that went on. Mm. Um, but I feel as it dawned on them that they were having to put somebody on the touchline in the place of a manager who's been there for 22 years and ruled that club and helped construct the stadium and, uh, you know, had his imprints in every single facet of the club, that it would be more sensible 
to go for somebody that had a had some experience of managing, which Arteta has zero, and um, and certainly someone in Emery's case who has a proven track record. Yeah. The only thing on the flip side of that is that I've I still feel. Um, and it's pretty obvious that Arteta would have slotted in easier to the structure. His English is perfect. He knows Arsenal inside out. He knows um, many of the, st- almost all of the staff there. He is friends with uh, the likes of, well, he's got good relationships with the likes of Per Mertesacker. Um, some said that's not a good thing and that they needed someone like uh, Emery to come in and shake things up and it shouldn't be all friendly. I don't really buy that with Arteta because I don't think he would have been a friendly character. I don't think it would have been the easy way out for players. Yeah. You know, if anything, he might have worked harder to to sort of um, upset the apple cart a little bit and, and make his mark. Um, but th- my overriding feeling of, of it all is just that they've come to the right decision with what was in front of them and the available candidates. And the view of Arteta as it's the more and more it's sinking in is that, you know, he, he could well go on to be a great coach, quite a manager, head coach, call it what you like. He probably will. He, um, he has people who think so highly of him. Um, you never know if that would be at Arsenal, Man City, elsewhere, but we have no evidence and no idea to suggest it. And if Emery doesn't go well, then at least Arsenal can say that they went for a proven winner and they did their due diligence and they got all the recommendations, did it the right way. It seems to be a a decision that is now being supported by the vast majority of supporters after the initial shock, which led to a bit of division among the fan base from what I sense. People seem to be galvanising behind the club that this was a good appointment. Those who know him from Spain and France seem to be effusive towards him. Whereas if they had gone for Arteta and that had backfired, then I think there would have been recriminations of a much more severe degree Yeah, because he had never managed a game in his life. No hiding place, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, when we uh, announced it, James announced it from the stage uh, on Monday night and there was just, the only reaction was a few gasps there was no like applause. There was no great. This is oh well, that's good. It, you know, everybody had so bought into the Arteta thing that the idea of anyone else getting it at that point seemed a surprise. I'm with you. I think it's a it's a far more sensible approach. And maybe when people look at it and they look at what they want Arsenal to be, and that's a team that can win the Premier League, and it's a team that might get back into the Champions League and do better in Europe than it has done under Arsene Wenger for the last number of years. I think that's perhaps something for the future. I think Arsenal need something that will bridge that gap in the meantime. And Emery seems like a manager who can do that. Obviously, he's only 46 years of age. It's still pretty young when it comes to uh, a head coach slash manager. He can improve. He can hopefully uh, improve Arsenal as well. So I think it's, it is a matter of getting used to the idea of this guy who if you were like told at the start of the process you can pick this guy you can pick that guy you can pick that guy I don't know too many people would have gone for Emery at the start 
But in the circumstances, given the experience he has at Valencia, at Sevilla, not so great at Spartak Moscow, but at PSG, which, you know, is is a strange club at the best of times anyway. I don't think it's a, a club at which mm. you can truly measure his capabilities. It does seem like the most sensible appointment we could have made. Some, some of the people I've spoken to who are close to Paris Saint-Germain know the workings of the club well, uh, have told me that it was the impossible job there for Emery. I mean, he still won five trophies in two seasons. Um, and as we said earlier, the progress in the Champions League, it was halted by Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, and the last 16 stages, the same stage Pep Guardiola has got to in, in his couple of seasons at Manchester City. Also, uh, I think if you um, if you offered most clubs, Unai Emery or um, Mikel Arteta, there wouldn't even be a question. <laughs> it would have been Emery straight away. And I know what you're saying about people, um, h- h- him not being the top of most people's list. But if you look at who was available, who, who was in the frame, clearly uh, Max Allegri was a, was a firm favourite with many fans and pundits and former players, etc. Um but aside from that, if you actually look at the credentials, maybe it's just me and, and a personal sort of preference. I, I didn't see too many available, realistic candidates with the credentials that Emery had yeah. um, to, to fit in at, at Arsenal. It seemed with some people, nobody was the right appointment. And it, I mean, it's one, of, it's one of the most fiercely speculated over jobs I've, I can remember. Yeah. Um, the shock you mentioned, the sort of gasps, that was something I heard from the Arsenal Supporters Trust meeting as well. Um, and I think that was born out of the fact that people had got their head round, as you say, the Arteta uh, candidacy. But many of those were the same people that um, expressed surprise, indignation is probably the best way to put it, when Arteta's name came up in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so when Emery with everyone sort of finally buying into the idea of this young former Arsenal captain coming in, the the sort of mystique around someone that's never managed before. Could he be the next Pep? Could he um, do something really special with this unique talent that everybody in the game has, has apparently talked about? It started to, um, it started to excite people. And then you hear it's Emery and you kind of think, Oh, you know, he's, he's yeah. not one of the the very highest names, leading names in the game. Um, he, some of his, most of his success has been qualified by suggestions that he didn't do well in another competition or, or something like that. And so, I really felt that division that that sort of emerged in the fan base on Monday night into Tuesday mm. was really just born out of shock. And as the and and you saw, you know, you heard Ian Wright on Five Live. I think that's, you know, he was he 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 started off in in he was totally stunned by the news. It was Emery. He didn't <laughs> understand where that had come from. And by the end, he said it was nothing against Emery. He thinks he's going to be a really good manager for Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, but he he was more shocked at, at the process turning him out of nowhere. But don't forget him coming out of nowhere, coming up on the rails. Call it what you like. Was a kind of public um, conception. And that, okay, that public conception is born out of um, really well-sourced reports from many of my esteemed colleagues in the media. But this is a process that was only really known about 
by those three people involved in it and maybe a very small number of others. And uh, if we refer back to that quote from Ivan Gazidis, those who know won't speak mm. and those who speak won't know. Yeah, and it, that seems, was... it, it, it seems that however true we've many of us have got different opinions on quite the extent of Arteta's candidacy it seems that um there was more to it than we know about yeah yeah I mean I, I think that quote might go down not very well with, with some of your colleagues David if I might be so bold as to no no, to no suggest and, that. and understandably I, yeah. I do want to be clear that that there is no way that the story and the quality of, and the caliber of of journalists who um, work in the national media and and particularly in this case who report on Arsenal their stuff is extremely well sourced and and I don't doubt you know that the the Arteta stories the the stories around others as well yeah um, but I do think there is another side to this sure. I don't think Emery has just Emery has just come completely out of the blue um, I think there was clearly more to it than we all knew about. Right. A couple of quick ones before I let you go. First mm. was just your impression of him at the the press conference. Uh, we know his English is not great. He, he admitted that himself. I think you would go so far as to say it's it's fairly basic. But to go to a press conference in front of the national media, broadcast media, newspapers and everything else, and to sit there and to try and explain yourself in a language which is not terribly familiar to you, where you don't have the the ability to find the best words, perhaps, to describe what it is that you want to say. You can get your point across, but there's nothing flowery about it or nothing terribly, uh, I won't say impressive, it's not the right word, but I thought there was something fantastic about the fact that he was willing to do that. He was willing to sit there. I don't know anybody who's an adult who has had to learn a, a new language as an adult. There's something built into you that feels, you feel embarrassed speaking a language that is not your own, even if it's one-on-one. -on -one. And if you're doing it in those circumstances, it's even more difficult. So uh, I was really, really impressed with, with the way that he handled that. And I thought he spoke uh, in terms of what he was trying to say. We, we got the gist of it. I thought what he was trying to say uh, came across very well. What, what did you make of him? I thought he was fantastic. And... Um that seemed to be the consensus from my other colleagues in the media. And then uh, when I started to look and speak to fans as well, um, I thought he gave a really bullish performance, um, uh, consummate really, given the circumstances. Uh, you raise a really good point about the language and, and that point about being embarrassed. Well, I certainly don't think he was embarrassed. No. He was speaking slowly um, he was uh, trying to grasp the right words. And clearly some of those have, have probably been sort of um, uh, learned in, re in very recent times. Yeah. Um, there was a word he kept referring to when he was talking about Arsenal's style of play, protagonist, talking about how he wanted the team to play. He wants them to be protagonists. And like you say, he was actually somehow quite articulate getting his points across uh, despite having a very limited grasp of the language. I was sat in the front row and I really was keen to study him. Um, and he didn't flinch or show any kind of embarrassment, nerves. I've been in press conferences when managers have been presented for the first time or even managers who have been at a club for a long time. 
and they twitch in their chair. I've had managers who have grabbed the knee of the press officer to try and move the question on. They've been red-faced. They've um, just been like a fish out of water. And I felt he was the complete opposite. I thought, considering that was a room packed with 99% of people who he'd never seen in his life or or didn't know, at least... um, he really projected as well. He, he, he was powerful. It was like he was completely at ease with this stage. And this was a stage and a seat that has only known one home manager since the stadium was built. Um, but he didn't seem overawed by it. Even when he put his earpiece in to listen to the English questions, I didn't see any kind of... Um, alarmist reaction any glance towards the translator who didn't even come up onto the stage so confident was Emery in being able to get through and he conveyed especially when he spoke he 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 gave a couple of answers that were asked for in Spanish It, it wasn't that he decided to break into Spanish he was asked for answers in Spanish and that's when he kind of came into his own a bit more and you saw more of his passion and his personality um We've seen some of his reactions on the touchline, especially when he was severe manager. And I think that's really going to excite the Arsenal fans, this intensity coming back to the club. And when he talked about, um, he, I'm just looking through some of the quotes now from, from what he said. Yeah, He talked about um, two things are very important to be protagonists, possession of the ball and pressing when we don't have it. He kept talking about that possession and then the pressing and I think he's going to drill this Arsenal team my sense my gut is just a personal uh, feeling from hearing him speak that he's going to drill this Arsenal squad to within an inch of their lives yeah and many would say that's exactly what they need I thought he was he was engaging um I he didn't seek to duck anything he didn't look away he didn't pin anything on Gazidis to answer um in the circumstances, I thought he could not have produced a better performance on his first day in the job. It'd be interesting to see now how quickly his English develops ahead of pre-season training. I think it will develop pretty rapidly. They say the language of football is universal. I really don't see there being a problem on the training ground. There are some Spanish speakers as well to help yeah. him along if he needs. And um, uh, I think, <laughs> famous last words, of course... I don't think things could have gone much better so far. And I think it bodes really, really well for Arsenal what we're seeing here. They they surely, the hierarchy at the club, couldn't have hoped for this to pan out much better so far. Yeah. But of course, that will all go out the window on the weekend of... August the 11th sure. when the Premier League starts up again. Final question. We, of course. We have appointed a head coach, not a manager. So I think there's a a very clear distinction there. Arsene Wenger was the manager of Arsenal Football Club for 22 years and Unai Emery is being appointed as the head coach. And I think we can all see why. We've put these structures in place. Sven Mislintat is the head of recruitment. Raul Sanyehi is... Uh, he is the director of football. We can start calling him head, director head of, of football. Head of football relations. Head of De football facto relations. director of football. He's the director of football. Let's do that. And uh, obviously, I think it's fair to say that Ivan Gazidis is going to be more visible now than he was um, when Arsene Wenger was in charge. Um, you only have to look at what's gone on in the last uh, few weeks to, to see that. Um, 
the manager or the head coach, I should say, is is one thing. But how this team then operate during this summer is going to be very interesting. It's a truncated uh, transfer window because of the uh, the new rules that are coming into play. Teams have to do their transfer business inwards anyway before the season starts. There's a World Cup going on. Uh, that complicates things. It's not just on Unai Emery now. It's for these guys having put themselves in this position, having come to the conclusion that he is the best man to work within this structure, they now have to support him and give him what he needs uh, to help him be as successful as he can be. Yeah, it's an extraordinary um, time for the club, isn't it? If you think about all, all, all the things we're, we've seen and are seeing, go back to uh, Ivan Gazidis's quote about uh, that season being a catalyst for change um, and what has followed since, as you say, head of recruitment, mm. uh, uh, head of football relations, head of contracts in Hus Fami, uh, he- head of high performance in Darren Burgess, uh, Ivan Gazidis uh, putting himself front and centre as the man on whose shoulders this project rests, really, hasn't he? Yeah. He was the man who stepped forward on the day Arsene Wenger decided that he would be going at the end of the season. Um, other clubs, we haven't seen a chief executive step forward like that. Uh, and it was clear that this was his moment. And then today, fast forward, and we've uh, we've seen Arsenal release videos before the news conference of uh, Gazidis leading Emery into the stadium. Um, and these things are well planned and produced. Uh, you know, Gazidis in Emery's new office, which has his name on already, yeah. uh, presenting Emery with a book, uh, the volume audible on yeah. this little clip saying, this is a book about the history of Arsenal. You are now a chap, you know, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to have a, ch- a chapter in this book. This is our time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Coming into the uh, news conference, these constant sort of phrases like a new chapter in our history, etc. So this is this is really Ivan Gazidis's moment. And uh, Unai Emery is a is a cog within that. This new continental structure, complete departure from the Arsene Wenger era in just a matter of weeks, although it has been building behind the scenes. You know, seeing that extraordinary turnover of staff before the manager had even the new head coach had even been appointed. You know, there was no. Well, we don't know if there was consultation on on whether the head coach wanted those staff to be there or not. But he wouldn't presumably have known them particularly well, the likes of Colin Lewin. Lewin. So these were decisions that were being made. Um, about Arsene Wenger's staff by the hierarchy, by the new continental model, while Arsene Wenger was coming to the end of his time before the new head coach had even been put in place. And then comes the head coach. And it was even, as those appointments were being made over the last year or so, um, people were quite open inside the club. We've got a new head of contracts, a new head of recruitment, a new head of football relations, a new head of high performance. The only thing we haven't got is a new head coach and it's just a question of whether that would be arson or not but i sense that that it was this was very much a targeted summer for change yeah the more time has gone on i really get that feeling and then yes the news today that um emery would be head coach so how will it work well he, he will he will be a key player obviously in the decision making process but for the first time in arsenal's modern history he won't be the only decision maker uh he will have the power of veto on presumably ingoing and outgoing uh, players, but um, he he is 
he is a cog in in that sort of um, that management group. Yeah. And uh, and I I think that's that's absolutely fascinating. I, I'm already being told that he is sort of aggressively trying to get across absolutely every part of the club. He he is he's desperate to to get to work and get familiar familiarize himself with people with structures with with processes um and start to improve them but in a departure from Arsene Wenger he won't be improving them alone he'll yeah. be improving them w- with um primarily Sanlehi and Mislintat Gazidis overseeing it all and of course um Hasfami and and Darren Burgess well, look, he's had a few weeks off after uh, leaving PSG, so he doesn't need any holidays. He can get straight to work. Mm. Uh, he's got some work ahead of him, and, uh, you know, we wish him the very best of luck. David, uh, thank you as ever for your time. Fascinating always as always. Always a pleasure, always. Andrew, anytime. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks as ever to David Ornstein. You can find him on Twitter at BBC Sport underscore David. Like I'm sure you're following already, but if you're not, that's where you will find him. Now, Moving on, and to get an idea of Unai Emery, the coach, the manager, the uh, football philosopher, and all that kind of stuff, it's time to talk to the editor of the Football Espana website, Colin Miller. Hi, how are you? Hi, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Now, you're based in Sevilla, which is uh, where Unai Emery has had uh, a great deal of success, but perhaps we could talk just a little bit about the start of his managerial career. As a player, I think his his career was ended by injury. He was a journeyman. He spent most of his uh, time in the Segunda division, but got into management pretty quickly and it became obvious pretty quickly that he had something about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you allude to there, um, his playing career was, was very much so-so. Um, he started off in management very very early in his career. At 33 years of age, he started managing Lorca, who are a tiny little club based in the south of Spain in Murcia. And um, he, he got them into the second tier of Spanish football, which is quite an achievement at the time. He almost won promotion to La Liga, but he just missed out, uh, unfortunately. And it was then that he decided to move on to Almeria, who were in the same division. And he 
he, he earned Al Maria their first promotion to the top flight in 25 years and it was an amazing achievement and obviously in, in their first season they finished eighth so it, it was an incredible incredible year because they didn't really have any expectations to sort of the aims to avoid relegation but they actually just missed out on a European spot so it was at that point that, that he, he really came to the attention of the wider sort of consciousness in Spanish football mm. and there was a number of there was a number of clubs linked to linked to him at that point in time and he actually ended up going to Valencia that summer and in Valencia as well that's that's really when he started to make his mark um, in, in wider terms and he had a great period of stability at Valencia he spent four seasons there which in Spanish football terms is is quite quite a length of time and yeah. he he had three consecutive top three finishes as well so and that, that was a mid um, that was a, it was a tough time for the club with a lot of budgetary constraints and cutbacks yeah, they I had was... to sell a number of star players like Juan Madden and David Silva but within that he, he managed to do very well but with the player losses and to keep things steady and progressing yeah. the, the the situation at Valencia I don't think we can underestimate what a trying time it was for the club because they were I don't know if they were on the verge but they were certainly building a new stadium the money ran out uh, I, I don't know if that stadium is, has been built did they ever finish it? No, no, they haven't. Actually, it's one of those. It is an incredible story of of a white elephant stadium, and yeah. there there is still hope and reports that it could be finished. But at the time, as you, as you say, it was it was something that they that they poured millions and millions of pounds into, and there's a half built stadium uh, within the city that that's, that's still sitting there, ready to be completed. But mm. but due to due to due to political restrictions and everything else, there's there's been a bit of a gridlock. But that was a time that, as you said, really it really damaged Valencia, and it was also a time when Barcelona and Real Madrid. We're really starting to to spend more than more than any other club in the world, and to stockpile incredible squads. So, in terms of a title challenge, it, it, it was virtually non-existent. But essentially, Valencia were the best of the rest at that time, and it was an incredible managerial achievement to do that year after year. And again, it, it was just something that showed that, that, that Emery could could take players and be like well if we are selling players we, we have what we hold and, and those players improved under him yeah. and that was a real mark of his career as well Was that what the way that he did it at Valencia was to to deal with young players coming through or did he buy cheap did he buy good players did he spot talent that, that could be developed how exactly did he go about doing that because to finish third three seasons in a row with a club where you're selling your best players, and let's be under no illusions here, the players that he had to sell were really, really good players along the way. How was it that he managed to get that much out of a squad which was being weakened all the time? Yeah, well, as you as you sort of said at the start, um, Andrew, we have this sort of situation in Spain where... Where, where it's a head coach rather than a manager, so so mm. and, and that's the sort of approach and the model that Arsenal are starting to adapt. So within that, the sporting director is is the guy that deals that deals with the transfers and Emery. It's, he's, he's just the guy that's like I've got these players and my job's to improve them and to get these game plans that work but when he did move to Valencia he took a number I think it was three or four players he signed from that Almeria squad that he had players that he could trust and one of them is actually the defender Bruno who's now at mm. Brighton um, and he, he, he was he was somebody that came into Valencia and people sort of thought you know these guys might not be might not be what the, the guys that will meet our aspirations of finishing in the top four or five places, but together they 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 built a really strong squad. And, and I said about the cutbacks, he inherited a very strong squad, but 
but there was a lot of a lot of restrictions within that, and it was a case of sign being able to sign players and work with a sporting director, which 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 really worked not just very well at Valencia, but then at Sevilla, obviously with Sam Monchi in, yeah. in the sporting director hot seat, and then they had a very very strong and productive relationship too. Yeah, I mean that that relationship, and obviously Monchi um, left subsequently to go to to Roma, but he was widely regarded as one of the best in the business at spotting this. Uh, spotting talent and bringing it into a club. Um, his how was his relationship with Emery? Did they did they gel together? Because it really is a crucial thing, isn't it? That whether you like the structure or not, if you if you have to work within it, you've got to trust. There's got to be some trust between the sporting director who's doing these deals and the manager. The man or the the sporting director kind of has to know what kind of players the manager likes to work with to an extent. Yeah, absolutely, and and the relationship between Monchi and Emery was 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 very strong and very stable as well. They, they uh, Monchi had a number of interviews when, when Emery was in charge, and it's like, look, I, I want this guy to stay for years. He's the perfect man for this club, mm. and and you can, you can just see that in the results. And we, we look at three back to back Europa League titles, which is when when you actually look at that in the cold light of day, that that achievement in itself is is absolutely ridiculous. But but people sort of look down to well, yeah, Monchi was the mastermind. Monchi was the guy that was coming in. That was that was getting all these players, and yes, there were there were these seals, but the, the victories kept coming. But what people forget is that before Emery was appointed at Sevilla, they finished ninth two seasons uh, in a row. And what he did was he, he came in, he, he changed the mentality, and he really brought them back up and starting to overachieve again. There's top five finishes in successive seasons, and obviously his, his three full seasons in charge, they each brought a Europa League title. So whenever people are like, well, yes. He, he was successful at Sevilla, but that was because of the setup and structure that was in place. That is partly true, but it was him that that, that kind of that kind of got the real results out of that that structure and made it made it into a really successful gelling team. And it was his, his the tactics that he employed as well and his philosophy mm. worked worked so well there and worked so well with the club in Sevilla. It's important to understand that Sevilla are quite an emotional club. With, and if, if you attend the match at the stadium, you know you, you can tell that from the fans and, and it's the, the energy that transmits itself onto the pitch. But that almost came from Emery as well. He, he's a very he's a very energetic and and um, you know he's a very energetic individual. And, yeah. and it's very strange to say this, but his main strength is his hard work. I know you kind of think, well, yes, that, that's that's a manager's job, but it, it really it really does ring true in the sense that he he is so analytical and he is so. There's a, there's a lot of tension and, and nervous anxiety that you can see from him on the touchline, but that's actually how he prepares his teams as well. With, there's a lot of tactical analysis, a lot of video analysis as yeah. well, and that's really drummed into the players. And he's very meticulous, he's very thorough, and all these things. He, he's, he gets, he's very intense, and this sort of takes hold of his job. But that worked very well at Sevilla in the sense that, that the crowd and the pitch that were there, and you, look, you looked at their final season and in La Liga, and they didn't actually manage to win an away match throughout, throughout the campaign. There was nine draws and ten defeats. And people sort of pointed that and incorrectly, so be like, "Well, yes, that's that's the drawback of Emery. There, there's a, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a doubt over how he can do that. He, he can he can 
to stay in his results in, in those circumstances. But their home record that season was superb and that was how he, he managed to navigate them through the European competitions as mm. well by seeing what, what worked at a club and what worked within a squad and then using that in, in, in the matches themselves. And the results did keep coming and the successes kept, kept coming as well. Yeah, I mean, that will be slightly worrying to Arsenal fans who've <laughs> witnessed the club go through a very difficult season away from home uh, but be great at home uh, at the same time but look we're not going to project uh, that, that kind of negativity on him the, the three Europa League titles obviously is an amazing thing to have achieved uh, the knockout football is you know it's not easy at the best of times uh, to win a cup is, is great to win two fantastic but three uh, truly amazing at the same time there is the the fact that in one of those seasons, at least, they came back down from the Champions League, having qualified for Europe's top table. Um, did the did the wins offset doubts people might have had in that regard? Because you can be upset about coming down from the Champions League into the Europa League, but if at the end of the season you win a trophy, it's kind of, well, this is great. We've won a trophy, and we've won it for a record number of times in a row. What was the What was the reaction to... A, I suppose, his league performance, which was all right, but not necessarily brilliant, um, and the fact that maybe he didn't do what he could have done in the Champions League with those players. Yeah, no, it was a, it's a situation that, that within Sevilla and within Spanish football itself, uh, as a wider sort of entity, every, every club and every set of fans know that they have a, a certain wall, a certain, certain ceiling that they can hit. And... And with Sevilla, a top four place would, would have would have represented a, a fantastic season within the league, mm. and and Emery missed, missed out on that quite narrowly on two occasions in his first two seasons, and it was his third season. Whenever whenever the troubles and away from home really really sprang up, they finished seventh, and there was a little bit of a there was a little bit of disappointment there, and there was a kind of sense that maybe this is the right time for him to move on not not in the sense that, that he in terms of his, he, he wasn't up to the job anymore it was just like maybe maybe he needs a, a fresh a fresh sort of scenery and and um and, and the club's club needed that too just a, a new sense of direction but in terms of the champions league i i don't think that there was any concern there in the sense that the one season they they failed to get out of the groups they were in the Juventus in Manchester City it was a particularly testing group and I think there was there was a realization that look you know we're not going to be at that level quite yet obviously they would have they would have loved to have progressed but but it was it was just it's just the way the season worked out didn't favor them and as you say when when you drop back down to the Europa League and we could see that with Atletico Madrid this season is that there's a real focus it's like right this is the competition we're in now and we want the trophy and I think that's partly down to the fact that both Real Madrid and Barcelona can dominate domestically um, to such an extent that the, that the domestic success is tough. But they sort of see this as a path. Like we, we've got a real winning mentality. And Semi only drove that into his players throughout the Europa League. They played full strength teams and they really had the sense that like, we're going for this. That this is what we're prioritising. Yeah. That we want trophies. It doesn't matter if it's the Champions League, Europa League. At the end of the day, it's a trophy. It's success, and it's what the fans want. And want it's what we want. And that was very similar to what Emery did with Sevilla. And I think as well, it, it's important. It's important to recognise that because. A lot of people out there were like, "Yeah, well, Sevilla are a very good team, but when in the Europa League, you know, it's 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 not the Champions League, and, and no, it's not. But but whenever you have a set 
a set of expectations and a set of like, what can we do to to say right we're going to win this and we're going to we're going to bring this home to the fans and it was him really that, that wanted there to be a special connection between the fans the club the players he wanted everybody in that together and there was the side the fact that we when he was at Sevilla he he made every new sign and learned the club anthem and <laughs> sing it as well because he wanted people to be involved he wanted everybody to feel part of the club sure. and he spoke in as well in his first press conference of Arsenal and he he said about that with the players in the club he wants he wants to bring them together he wants everybody to feel like they're part of something and that and at PSG that was a lot harder to do um, because essentially it wasn't it wasn't the manager who was running the dressing room and it's a bit of a basket case situation which is sure. far removed from what he had before and what he will have at Arsenal too but in terms of working within a wider structure and bringing all those structures and pieces together he, he, he did that tremendously well at Sevilla he did it at Valencia and he did it before at the smaller clubs at Amory and Norca too yeah. so he, he's really set himself up to work within this structure and I think when he's appointed at Arsenal, we all thought, oh, that, it's a bit of a surprise. It took everybody aback. But in the cold light of day, it's a very logical decision because we can see the direction that Arsenal have moved in. They want to get away from this sort of the dogmatism maybe that has plagued them in the recent years. And that, that's, I mean, that it does sound like a criticism. Um, the, the fact that you know that the Arsene Wenger was there and he was the one who was deciding a lot of these a lot of these issues aside from the coaching, he was deciding the transfers and how the club was moving forward it's not necessarily a bad thing but Arsenal obviously felt that we need a change and we need to go towards this more yeah. this more continental structure yeah. and I think Emery's the perfect individual to, to to really work within that and to help the club grow and to help bring people together and improve improve the squad that he has and move in a direction that everybody that everybody can see and I think yeah. that's what will happen as well um, When you talk about that and bringing people together and, and man managing and discipline and, and things that a manager would like to instill within a squad. Where are his strengths and weaknesses in that regard? I mean, I think you're right to point out the PSG in the dressing room there. It's not a normal dressing room. You know, even aside from Neymar, there were there were things going on. But w- when he added Neymar, or when the club added Neymar, you know, it, it was just crazy the way the deal was done, the influence he has, the, the lack of accountability he has simply because of who he is and how much money's been paid for him and everything else. So we, I think it's not fair necessarily to look at his inability to manage that dressing room but in other dressing rooms what is his tolerance like for ill discipline how does he try and bring uh, players together is he is he a, a one size fits all kind of guy when there's a problem you get a kick up the arse or the hairdryer or is he a bit more subtle than that I'm, I'm curious uh, to your insight into this well, again, this is something this is something that, that Emery really works on, and he actually he actually sort of was was self aware to correct mistakes in this this regard. His his one of his key objectives um, throughout throughout his time in Spain certainly was to bring to bring the squad together, group as a unit for everybody to be fighting for each other and to be fighting in the same direction. Now, the, the most the most notable sense of that was at Sevilla when when there was. It, it, it's fair to say there were no stars in the teams that he had, or certainly the the, the the stars fought for the team and they had they had the same mentality as everybody else. There wasn't any anybody felt like you know we we we're the guy we're the guy to take it forward. There was no big egos 
and and you kind of look at a lot a lot of what the players said about him and uh, who moves on to other clubs like the Ivan Rakitic, Evan Venega, and Jose Antonio Reyes as well, who of course played for Arsenal. But they were all key components for for that to be a side throughout those years, mm. and and they all spoke in glowing terms of how he managed them. Uh, there had been doubts before in terms of how how relentless um, his, his sort of. His, his sort of persona could be and there's a sort of term in Spanish it's a pasado which is essentially somebody who can be a bit of a um, can be very very heavy in what they do they can be a bit you know he, he loves to really drive as I was speaking earlier he really loved to drive the yeah. sort of DVDs and the analysis of games in the players and he would have sent them all home with these DVDs and said alright you're going to look at these you're going to analyse them and they were they were so dull and so dry that they would have showed things like goal kicks like throw-ins you know things that players were not going to going yeah. to pay any sort of attention to and he, and, and he was aware I think like maybe a couple of these guys aren't aren't all on board with this and it was the famous incident with Jeremy Mathieu who eventually signed for Barcelona his French defender and um, we thought this guy isn't He's not. He's not looking at what I'm. What I'm analysing here. He's not looking at the DVDs I'm giving him. So there was one night. He thought, right, I'm going I'm to test you. So he gave him a blank DVD, and, and he sent them home with it. And the next morning, they all came into training, and Emery asked, "So, what, what did you think of the DVD? Have you learned anything from it?" And and uh, the, the Mathieu was like, "Yes, it was very insightful. Thanks very much." And it was at, <laughs> at that point, like, right, actually. We <laughs> this might not be working with everybody, and, and and there was another incident as well with Joaquin, who's now at Real Betis, who's also in Seville, but he was at Valencia at the time, and he's known as a bit of a practical joker. And um, whenever he was leaving the club, he's like, look, you know, there were so many videos that I ran out of popcorn. Mm. So it was a case, it was a case of you know, this is actually something that was that was getting getting rubbing players up the wrong way to, to an extent, and 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 it's hard. There's certain players will will take that on board who want to learn who wants to say, right, right I, I, I want somebody who, who can teach me what to do. But there'd be a lot as well who think, well, well I already know what to do. And, and this, and yes, I'm willing to talk to you. And I'm willing to take on advice and look at your plan and, and, and learn. But it can be a bit much. And I think Emery recognised that as well. And at Sevilla, he, he actually said, that I've changed my approach somewhat. Like I'm going through the videos of the players themselves. I'm trying to interact more with them to make them understand this better. And again, it's a case if he goes over a point again and again and again until it's, until until they get it absolutely right. He's a right. perfectionist. Yeah. So so we really will 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 drill these tactics into the players. You'll drill individual situations into the players. Sure. And whilst that's a lot of hard work and it's a lot to take on mentally for some people it, it, eventually it does start to pay dividends and and yes there might be one or two players who who won't who won't like that approach who might think you know this isn't for me i don't really, i i really don't want to be able to set up where where, where this is being driven in this to this extent but i think by and large um if he can get this sort of personal personalized aspect right which i think he did at Sevilla then I think then I think that can be tremendously successful sure. and and again that that has shown in individual matches on the European stage especially with Sevilla when, when they were bludgeoning through those quarter finals semi-final they were just winning they were finding ways to win they were producing the goods in key moments and and that's always a, of a result of very very hard work yeah. and relentless relentless practicing what um, just before we finish um, he, he spoke about I suppose respecting is the wrong word but talked about upholding the uh, football tradition at Arsenal which is possession based attacking football 
is that where he has garnered his success? What sort of a what sort of a tactical outlook does he have? If if we uh, talk about a man who pays a huge amount of attention to the opposition and he analyzes them and he provides video analysis and everything else, it it seems sensible that he's a guy who will try and negate some of the qualities of the opposition that he's he's playing. So does his team selection tend to change uh, a little bit more than we might expect with Arsene Wenger, for example, who is much more into the idea of his players dominating the game through their own qualities? Is he going to change things around a bit, either in terms of his formation or his personnel a bit more than Wenger used to? Well, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question and it's really going to be borne out in, in, in the, the fullness of time. But in terms of philosophy, look, this is a guy who is the ultimate pragmatist. He he will he will find any way to win that he can. He, he will he will he will try to exploit weaknesses in the opposition and and play upon that. And he does have his own individual philosophy. He he, he really likes his teams to press high up the pitch. He mm. demands a lot of running from his players. A lot of and I know these are all cliches, but he he likes his team to really attack as a unit, to defend as a unit. He likes to get his fullbacks pushing right up the pitch and help and help him to provide width into the box. So he has got those things. He tends to maybe be a little bit conservative in big matches. That that has been a criticism, sort of throughout the years. And we, we sort of saw that when we were taking, talking about his away record in his final season of Sevilla, and also his record with PSG in the Champions League. But we received the sort of the six-one defeat to Barcelona, and that's what we associate Emery with. And I said yes. That, that's that's true, but but what we forget is that he it was him that masterminded the four 0 victory in sure. the first leg, which was an absolutely stunning success, a really intense performance, and it was those performances that were that were actually alien to the PSG before he arrived. So he sort of transmitted what he what he'd worked on in Spain, this sort of high intensity, high pressure, you know, and, and make, making his players really really work to that plan. But it only works if everybody buys into it, and mm. I think maybe that's where it fell apart a little. Bit. But in his final season, when you had a lot of players coming in and thinking, like, I know better than this. You know, I'm going to do what, what's worked for me in the past. And that really, uh, he wasn't cut out to deal with, with very egocentric individuals. And I think, I think that, that maybe has proved to be, to be a criticism in a way. But look, I mean, will, will, that, will that prove to be a problem at Arsenal? It's it's hard to say, but I, I don't think it will because there's nobody like there's not a Neymar in the Arsenal dressing room. I, I think a lot of the players are are, are quite grounded um, comparatively, and I think that they will be open and buying into these new ideas. And of course, there there be certain players that might not fit the style or fit, or fit the demands he will ask of. But ultimately, I, I think I think this is going to be an appointment which will have long-term benefits for Arsenal. I think he's going to have him pushing in the right direction. And we said about before, like there's a sporting director in place now, there's a structure, there's going to be, you know, in terms of scouting and recruiting players, mm. in terms of bringing young players on, I think this is the perfect coach. And I actually thought, I actually thought before he, he was more likely to go to Chelsea than the Arsenal because Chelsea have sort of got that structure in place where they just want the coach to come in and improve players and, and you know, work, work with what they have. Yeah. And he, and Emery is somebody who's, who's really excelled under that previously. But I think he can do it with Arsenal as well. And I think there's a lot of potential. To, to, to certainly grow, and, and I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to turn them into title challengers overnight. I, I don't think that will happen, but but I think that, that there will be progress, and I think it will be clear, fairly fairly to me, that there's going to be a defined style and a defined recruitment method as well, which he'll be a part of. Okay, well, look, it does sound positive. Uh... 
as ever, well, as ever, I mean, this for many people is the first time they've seen a managerial change at Arsenal, but there there can be shaky moments. I think what we're looking at is a, a club that's a competitive Europa League club, and we've brought in a very competitive Europa League manager at an age where I think he might be able to kick on as well in terms of his own career. So uh, it sounds like it's going to be an interesting ride with Unai Emery. Uh, Colin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Colin is on Twitter at Miller underscore Colin. That is at Miller underscore Colin. And hopefully that's given you some insight into Unai Emery, the kind of man he is, the kind of manager he is. And it just adds to the excitement I think we're all feeling at this point. The uh, the fact that it's happened just at the end of the season, more or less, means we can actually start becoming impatient for the new season to begin rather than this, OK, glad that season's over. Let's just take a bit of time to take stock and we don't have to think about football too much over the course of the summer. Now it's like, bring it on, buy the players, sell the players, do the backroom staff, do the preseason games. Let's get ready. Let's play our first game already. Come on, where is it? Where is it? I need football again. We do have some time to wait, though. So, you know, maybe I just need to relax a little bit. All good things come to those who wait. And soon enough, we will be seeing Unai Emery. On the touchline at Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium and across Stadia in the uh, in the Premier League, hopefully doing a fantastic job, winning games, making us tougher, more resilient, harder to beat, scoring goals and uh, making us more competitive again. That would be absolutely great to see. But in the meantime, we'll just, you know, chill out. It's summer. Summer is arriving. The weather's going to be good. Time to, you know, dust off the barbecue and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll get there soon enough. But as ever... Thank you for listening. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arscast Extra. Until then, take it easy, folks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Arsenal Football Club today announced the appointment of Spaniard Roberto Cerveza as new manager. He arrives with a stellar record from Costa del Sol FC and Arsenal chairman Sir Chips Keswick outlined the decision-making process. My mate Trev's got a timeshare in Malaga. This bloke's his next-door neighbour. Fixed the plumbing last year. Great lad. Arsenal-branded Sangria will be available from all concession stands from tomorrow. 